As neurotics on the left and even on the right suffer a nervous breakdown and hoard warehouses full of toilet paper, the Trump administration implements policies that actually help stop the spread of bubonic plague. We will examine why hysterics don't help during a pandemic. Then Joe Biden confuses every major disease of the past decade while duking it out with Bernie Sanders. Ronald Reagan's son proselytizes for atheism during the Democrat debate, and the left takes advantage of the global panic. All that and more. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. We're still here. They haven't stopped us from broadcasting yet, even though the mayor of my city, Eric Garcetti of Los Angeles, is doing everything he can to, uh, to screw up things in the city. This is a man who couldn't, could not address the homelessness problem. Uh, he allowed homelessness to grow 16% in the course of one year. This is going to dramatically uh, accelerate the spread of this crisis, but he's shutting down my favorite bar. Great job, Mayor Garcetti. Well, luckily, uh, he has not been able to stop us from broadcasting, so that's very good. Very glad to be with you all as other shows on more left-leaning networks are shutting down. We, until they force us, uh, will not be. Before we begin, I have to start with a PSA. If you are getting hysterical, stop it. Stop it. Calm down. Don't do it. It's very, very annoying and it's not helping anybody. (laughs) There is no reason ever, ever to get hysterical. There is no reason ever to panic. You know, there are people, especially on the left right now, especially if you go on that godforsaken hellscape of Twitter.com, who are saying that if you are not panicking, if you are not getting hysterical, if you are not saying that we are on the verge of civilizational collapse, then you're not taking this seriously. You're not, you're risking lives. You're a very, very bad person. You're, you're not supporting public health. Actually, if you are panicking, If you are freaking out, if you are losing your mind and hoarding warehouses full of toilet paper, you're either one of two types of people. You're a cynic trying to exploit this for political advantage. A lot of people are doing that on the left. We'll get to a lot of that today. Or you're a neurotic. And there are a lot of those going around too. Either way, you are not helping. You're making things worse. So everybody just, let's take a little sip. Take a little sip of our coffee, whatever we're having. Inhale. Ah, exhale, and let's hope we didn't get the plague on anybody. There is context here for everything. So what's the update? The update on the coronavirus is the death toll is 61. Not 61 million, not 61,000, not 6,100, 61. Very sad. That number is going to get bigger. It is definitely going to get worse. All true. Still, for context, before Barack Obama ever publicly acknowledged the swine flu, H1N1, a thousand Americans had died. That was before he said peep about it. We are shutting down the global economy and the U.S. death toll is presently 61. Not saying that we shouldn't take precautions, just giving you context for calm. Now there is cause for concern. Right now, over a thousand people have died in Italy. Now, there's also cause for context here. So Italians are the oldest population in Europe. They greet each other by kissing, and they haven't had a functioning government since Octavian. 
None of that is to say we shouldn't take the coronavirus seriously. All of that is to say the United States is not Italy. These are different places with different context. Also worth pointing out, the United States has a far superior healthcare system to Italy and the rest of Europe. Also worth pointing out, where did the virus begin in Italy? Where did the epidemic spread? What was the first region under quarantine? The region was Lombardy and the, the city was Milan. Now that's unfortunate for Italy because Milan is Italy's cap, uh, economic capital. Why was that the first city to shut down? Well, because over the past six, seven, eight years, Milan has imported huge numbers of low-wage Chinese factory workers, and they were running regular flights to places in China affected by this disease. The other reason is they did not act nearly as quickly as the Trump administration to shut down the borders, get control of this crisis. So people are seeing the number of cases increase and they think that we are on the verge of social collapse here. The data do not show that. Hopefully later in the week, we'll be able to take a deeper dive into what the numbers show, especially when we have more reliable figures. But what we do know is that the spread of the disease is tapering off everywhere in the world. The rate of acceleration is tapering off everywhere in the world. Why is that? Because viruses don't grow in a straight line forever. It's not like a virus enters a country and it's like, just just takes off like a rocket ship and that's it and it never tapers off or it gets exponentially worse. Viruses just naturally grow. They accelerate, they accelerate, they accelerate, then they plateau, then they decline. This is a phenomenon that's been observed for a long time. It's called Farr's Law. You can rest easy. This is not going to grow and accelerate forever. And that's not even based on changing our behavior. That's just let's say we didn't change our behavior whatsoever. It would still accelerate, plateau, and decline. And we are dramatically changing our behavior because we're trying to slow as best we can the acceleration of that that virus. Uh, According to the World Health Organization, if you come in contact with somebody who tests positive for the Wu flu, do you know what your chances are? Not of dying, not of being hospitalized. Do you know what your chances are of even catching the virus? between one and 5%. That's like you're there, you're hanging out, you're shaking hands, you're buddy, buddy with somebody who is sick with the bubonic plague, your chances of getting it at all, one in 5%. Air-based transmission, virtually impossible. You are not going to catch it from somebody because the virus comes out of their mouth and grows wings and flies over to you. Now, if he spits on your face, you might catch it. Uh, Air-based transmission of this, very, very unlikely. Is this contagious? Yes, it's more contagious than the flu from the data that we see, but it's much less contagious than, say, measles or Zika virus or other public health problems we've had. What is the government doing to handle this? They're doing a lot, and they're doing a very good job, and this is irking people on the left because Trump is rising to the occasion. We'll get to that in a second. First, I got to thank our friends over at We the People Holsters. In times of crisis, Before I go out and buy water and food, I want to make sure that I've got ammo and a gun. And when you're carrying your gun, you got to make sure that you've got a very good holster. Starting at just $37, We the People holsters are custom designed to fit your firearm perfectly. And they are made right here in the USA. I think we've learned over the past few weeks how important it is to have things made in the USA, not rely on places like China to produce our products for us. 
We the People holsters have thousands of options to choose from for both inside and outside the waistband, plus a great selection of printed holster with everything from the Constitution to thin blue line. Their designs are great. They have designs to show your support for our president. Their proprietary clip design allows you to easily adjust both the cant and ride of your holster so that it will fit comfortably and securely at all times. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash Knowles. Get yours today. Every holster ships free, comes with a lifetime guarantee. Then you get an extra 10 bucks off with offer code Knowles. So now you're down to 27 bucks. Satisfaction guaranteed. If it's not a perfect fit, send it back for a total refund. Wethepeopleholsters.com slash Knowles. Wethepeopleholsters.com slash Knowles. Don't forget that offer code Knowles. You'll save another 10 bucks. Okay. What is the government doing to handle the chop fluey? President Trump has given several press conferences now. You remember he gave a speech from the Oval Office. The Oval Office speech was a little mixed reviews, okay? The Oval Office speech basically seemed good. You know, the words seemed right. And yet there was something a little off about it. Trump seemed a little more nervous than he usually does. He usually seems so relaxed and uh, easy with the audience and with the camera. Some of the facts that were given out during the Oval Office speech turned out to be not exactly correct. They were imprecise. For instance, he said a travel ban will go into effect at midnight on Friday. Now, midnight is technically the start of the day. So it'd be, you know, 11.59 Thursday night, then midnight Friday is one minute after that. But he actually meant the day later. So a lot of people didn't know about the travel. I had actually had relatives who were in Europe. They didn't know what that meant. So it was a little confusing. And the markets tanked during that Oval Office speech. So Trump decided to have another go at it. And he had a uh, press conference in the Rose Garden on Friday. The press conference in the Rose Garden on Friday was excellent. Uh, we'll get to specifically why it was, but just what he announced there, he declared a national emergency, which allowed states and localities to access up to $50 billion to combat the spread of the virus. That was very smart. Uh, he and his task force, the coronavirus task force, announced partnerships with certain companies that allowed for commercial laboratories to produce a lot more tests, and it allowed for them to be available at drive-in testing sites like Walgreens and CVS and Walmart, all really good news. The way you know that that press conference worked, you don't need to take my word for it, the markets rallied. Markets jumped 2,000 points during the press conference. It was really, really good. I was sitting in a green room actually at Fox here in uh, Los Angeles, and I was surrounded by Democrats, and even the Democrats were saying, oh yeah, this is better. Okay, this is good. You can see the market rallying up. Uh, the way you can tell that the left is being disingenuous here in their coronavirus criticism is they keep moving the goalposts. That's how you can tell. If you don't believe the market, if you don't believe your own lion eyes, the way you can tell that Trump is actually doing a good job here is the left keeps changing what they're complaining about. So initially, the left was complaining that Donald Trump closed the border with China. Early on when this virus broke out, Trump shut down travel from China. Public health officials now say, CDC, everybody, says that dramatically helped slow the spread of the disease and saved lives. When Trump did that, the left attacked him. They attacked him. They said it was a terrible idea and that it was xenophobic and that they wouldn't have done it. And I'm not just talking about random blue check marks on Twitter. I'm talking about the presumptive Democratic nominee for president, Joe Biden. In moments like this, this is where the credibility of the president is most needed as he explains what we should and should not do. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of 
hysteria, xenophobia, hysterical xenophobia. Travel restrictions based on favoritism in politics rather than risk will be counterproductive. There it is. He doubled down on it. So he says, Donald Trump has this awful record of hysterical xenophobia. What he's referring to here is President Trump's decision at that point to close the border with China. This is no time for that. Well, imagine if President Biden had left that border open, how much worse off would we be today? How much more like Italy would we look today? Italy took the Biden route. How's that working out for Italy? America took the Trump route and we're looking pretty good. Italy has a thousand deaths. The United States has 61. Two visions, right? So they attack him for that. Then they attack Trump for not doing anything. He'd already done a pretty big move. Then they attack him for not doing anything. But right now he obviously is doing something. You've seen all the press conferences. You've seen the new policies coming out of the administration. So now they can't attack him for the xenophobia. They realized the border thing was a good idea. They can't attack him for doing nothing. He's doing quite a lot. He's holding daily press conferences. So now they're attacking him for the last thing that they possibly can at their disposal, which is that everybody in America hasn't been tested for this virus yet. There hasn't been massive nationwide testing. But the thing is, and even some conservatives are getting confused on this point. So hear me out. The thing is, not everyone needs to be tested. Most likely, if you're listening to this show, you don't need to be tested. You don't have any symptoms. You don't need to be tested. Even if you do have symptoms and you're young and healthy and self-quarantining, you probably don't even need to be tested. You're good. The people who need to be tested are the people who are really at risk here of complications or even death. They're the guys who need the tests. They're the ones who need the hospitalization. Trump even made that point in the press conference. Uh, We'll get to that in a second. First, I got to thank our friends over at Rock Auto. Listen, man, if I got to get the heck out of Dodge, I need to make sure my car is working very well. And luckily, I've got a wonderful auto parts store in rockauto.com. Rockauto.com, so much easier than walking into an old brick and mortar and trying to get answers to the questions that the people at the brick and mortar aren't going to be able to give me. They're not going to be able to give me the parts. They're just going to go online, probably to rockauto.com, order the parts and charge me a lot of money. It is impossible to keep track of every auto part. It's impossible to figure out exactly what you need. But if you have the internet, then you have access to rockauto.com at your desk and in your pocket. And then you really do have access to all those things. The rockauto.com catalog is unique. And especially for me, someone who doesn't know a lot about cars, very easy to navigate. I really love these guys. Go on over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S in their How Did You Hear About Us box, and that way they will know that we sent you. rockauto.com and write in Knowles. So Trump makes this point in the press conference, the point that the left keeps trying to, to trick us about. The left thinks that everybody in this country needs to get tested immediately for coronavirus. Not only is that not necessary, that's counterproductive. That would be a waste of tests, a waste of time, and a waste of resources. Trump gives you the real story. I want to make sure that those who need a test can get a test very safely, quickly, and conveniently. But we don't want people to take a test if, if we feel that they shouldn't be doing it. And we don't want everyone running out and taking only if you have certain symptoms. The left loses their mind over this. They say, oh, how could you say that? You're encouraging people not to take public health seriously. You're, you're not panicking. You're not being hysterical. And that's really bad for some reason. Well, you don't need to just take Trump's word for it. 
one of the stars of the coronavirus epidemic, one of the few people in the administration that the left, even the left will admit is a very serious, incredible person, is Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci is a guy, he's on the coronavirus task force. This guy has been a major public health official in the United States for decades and decades. He was a major figure during the AIDS epidemic, and he's just got credibility all around, universal respect. So he's been very helpful for the Trump administration here because he's on the task force. He's not just some Trump appointee or a Trump loyalist. He, he really is, has his own reputation and his own career. He goes on CNN and makes exactly the same point about testing that Donald Trump did. I want to take a look uh, at this picture. You actually touched the same podium. I'm sure you've seen this in microphone as the president and other CEOs, even at the same time. The vice president has taken a test for coronavirus. He tested neg- or the president has tested negative, I should say. Has Vice President Pence, have, have you taken a test? Are you going no. to take a test? No. Well, I, I'm not taking a test for the summer reason. I have no symptoms. I have not. I, I'm practicing pretty good social distancing. I don't it's, go to, but it's hard to, it's hard to I, I know, fully do it as we but see not everybody in the United States should take a test. I mean, I have no symptoms. There's no reason for me to take a test. If I'm in a situation where I'm at a higher risk, I will take a test. The picture you showed about the microphone, let's get real here. I mean, there are certain things that you have to do. If I left the microphone at that, you would see nothing but the microphone. My putting my two fingers to get the microphone down isn't that bad. So I don't think we should make something of that. I'd like to see people more doing this as opposed to shaking hands. There is a voice of reason. When somebody is talking that way, when somebody is calm, when somebody is balanced, that's how you know you're listening to a voice of reason. When some blue check mark is screaming their head off about how the world is ending, which by the way, they do every single other day, right? They say the global warming and the sun monster are going to kill us in 12 years anyway. We'll get to that in a second, actually. One of the sort of benefits of this panic is it is exposing some of the uh, left-wing hypocrisy and disingenuity uh, about all of this, uh, disingenuousness, rather, about about all of this uh, hysteria. So we will get to that. But he makes a great point. If you don't need the test, then don't use, don't, don't get the test, right? Pretty basic. The uh, The key here is to remain calm, okay? And he's doing that. He's a public health expert. He's not just a random blue check mark on Twitter. I do trust that guy. He's got universal acclaim. So President Trump had a successful press conference. He then moves on to a second successful press conference because during that first one in the Rose Garden, the uh, stocks ran through the roof. We, we jumped 2,000 points. And so he said, gosh, that worked well. I guess I should do another one. So he holds a second one. This is in the press briefing room. And he says, another wave of calm. He puts another, uh, puts water on the flames here. And he says, guys, you who are all running on the stores and who are buying up all the toilet paper, calm down. You don't have to buy so much. They're going to work uh, 24 hours around the clock, keeping their stores stocked. I would like to say that people shouldn't go out and buy. We're going to all be great. We're going to be so good. We're going to do what's happened with the Fed is phenomenal news. What's happening with all of these incredible companies is phenomenal news. Uh, but you don't have to buy so much. Take it easy. Just relax. People are going in and they're buying more. They, I remember, uh, I guess, during the conversation, Doug of Walmart said that they're buying more than they buy at Christmas. Relax. We're doing great. It all will pass. Exactly. Relax. It'll all pass. I mean, this is the trouble right now. Right now, we have 61 deaths, right? Very sad, but manageable. 
Right now, we, everything is fine. If you look outside, it's not just a barren wasteland. Everything is fine, except if people change their behavior too radically, if they start hoarding food, if they start to panic, if they become hysterical, then we're actually in a real problem because you can't get food. Already you're seeing that in a lot of stores. There's not a lot of food on the shelves. We went to the store last night and thankfully people in LA are just total dolts because they bought up all the chicken and the beef and the pasta and they bought up all that, but they left my favorite vegetable, broccoli rob. So those rubes aren't going to get delicious bitter greens while I'm having a nice quarantine. Still, even beyond that, you need to remain calm. So President Trump was joking about this. He was like, look at me. I'm cool as a cucumber. The markets are reacting really well to this. Maybe I should start holding one of these every day. I was honored to see that the stock market, you were mostly there with us, set a record in a short period of time over a 45-minute period uh, that we had the press conference yesterday in the Rose Garden. That's it. That was a record, an all-time record. I think we should do one of them every day, perhaps. How about every? How about five times a day? We'll do one five times a day. Uh, but uh, that was something to watch, and I had no idea. We walked back. I said, so how did that work out? They said, sir, you just set a new record in the history of the stock market. So that was pretty good. That's pretty good. I love that. I love that he's taking these digressions, because if you only are focusing on one minute part of this, you're at risk of screwing up everything else. This is true in general. You know, what the left really likes is experts. Very often their experts don't know very much. They don't have a lot of expertise, but they're experts. You know, they've got the glasses and the diplomas on the wall. And what the left believes is that if you just put the experts in charge of everything, then we'll have the perfect government. Then we'll have utopia on earth. The left has believed this since at least Woodrow Wilson. So if you put the global warming expert in charge of all global warming policy, then you'll get the best global warming policy and, and so on and so forth. Actually, the opposite is true. The opposite is true because human life is very complex because politics has a lot of moving parts. And if you only focus on one aspect of it, you become myopic and you wreck everything else. So if all we're focusing on now, if the only thing we do and we devote all of our resources to it is to stop the spread of the virus to zero, which is impossible. That will not happen. It cannot happen. But if we focused all our resources into doing that, and we were willing to trash the entire economy, destroy civil liberties, destroy our system of government in order to do it, that would be a bad thing. We would all agree that's a bad thing. But in the moment, the people only focused on the, this one aspect of the crisis, like robots who are only programmed to do one thing at a time, if you, if you did that, you could make a strong case. We have to do everything and we have to do everything we can to focus on this one aspect. Everything else be damned. But that wouldn't leave us very well off. Trump knows this. So he's kind of focusing on the economy during the press conference. He's focusing on how well his press conference did. He's making a couple jokes. It's good to make a couple jokes during a crisis. The best moment of the press conference was when he's walking out of the press briefing room. He took questions, you know, interesting to note that this administration, which the left hates and they say it's secretive and opaque, this is probably the most open administration of my lifetime, right? He's taking direct questions from the press. He's holding his own press conferences in the briefing room. And so he takes a bunch of questions, then he starts to walk out. And you can hear at the very end a reporter shout out, Mr. President, have you taken your temperature? Is your, pre is your temperature normal? And this guy has such a, he pauses right before he walks out the door, just turns theatrical hand next to his face. He goes, totally normal. Bye. See ya. Walks right out.
Was your temperature normal, Mr. President? Totally normal. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't normal when you did that. It's like he might as well have just, as he's walking away from the room, just lit a match, thrown it back. The whole thing explodes. It was just such a, such a cool way to walk out. And all of us should be cool as well in these crises so that we don't all uh, panic. This is the right attitude to have on the whole damn thing. Totally normal. We're good. Calm down. Keep calm and carry on like the Brits said during World War II. Keep calm and carry on is very good advice. The Brits are known for their stiff upper lip, but now in America, in our indulgent and neurotic culture, we are of the opinion that we should never have a stiff stiff upper lip. We should be indulgent. We should whine. We should be wimpy. We should be neurotic. No, don't do it. We need to have a little bit of courage. That is the prerequisite for all the other virtues. All right, enough on the woo flu. We've got to get into the Democrat debate. Most people don't even know there was a Democratic debate last night. We'll get into Biden versus Bernie, what it means for the race, what it means for the, not just the Democratic race, but for the general election. We'll get into all that. We will also get into how the left is taking advantage of this whole crisis. But first, a Daily Wire membership is the only way you should be viewing our content. Okay? Simple as that. You're missing all the best features if you're not on dailywire.com. Right now, using promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, you will get 10% off any member plan you choose. This is my gift to you in self-quarantine. What makes membership so great? Well, members get our articles ad-free. They get access to the Daily Wire app and all of our live broadcasts and full show library, the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro show, select bonus content, access to the mailbag, and more. Plus, our new all-access tier, gets you into exclusive live online Q&A discussions with me, Andrew Clavin, Matt Walsh, Ben Shapiro, everybody, plus Daily Wire writers and special guests. And don't forget, you'll also get the greatest of all beverage vessels, the Leftist Tears Tumblr. You will get that, all of that, plus 10% off when using promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. So stop depriving yourself and come join the fun. Head over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. All right. The Democratic debate. We're not going to spend too much time on this because frankly, as I'm watching it last night, I couldn't tell who was going to fall asleep first, me or Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders. <laughs> it was really boring. And you know, those guys have like 70 or 90 or 120 years on me. So uh, kudos to them for staying awake when I barely could. Joe Biden, God love him. He opened up the whole debate, which was going to criticize the Trump administration response to coronavirus by coughing into his hand. What do you say to the American people who are confronting this new reality? First of all, my heart goes out to those who have already lost someone or those who are suffering from the virus. Ah, sorry, I I got a little lump in my throat. Let me just (coughs) cough on my hand, (coughs) cough on my other hand. Hey, Jake Tapper, you wanna wanna shoulder massage or do you wanna like nuzzle or kiss or uh, uh, anyway, I don't know. Anyway, we gotta take coronavirus seriously. Uh, pretty hilarious way to start off. Kind of a cheap shot. People are doing this. People are still shaking hands. People are still coughing. But anyway, not a great look for Joe Biden. Biden was then asked how he would address the Wuhan virus. And his answer did not instill confidence because he confused every major public health crisis of the last decade. So we should already be sitting down and planning where we're going to put these temporary hospitals. And we can do that. 
We did that. We've been through this before with the coronavirus. We've been through this before. I mean, excuse me. We've been through this before with uh, dealing with the viruses that the N1H15, as well as what happened in Africa. We provided these hospitals dealing with these great pandemics, and we were able to do it quickly. And people would have a place to go. How is this guy supposed to beat Trump? The left's argument against Trump is that he doesn't know anything and he's not specific and he talks too loosely and he's too general and he's ignorant. And Joe Biden is that all of that turned up to 11. He opens up by saying, look, we can deal with coronavirus because we've dealt with it before. We've dealt with it with coronavirus. No, we haven't. We have definitely not dealt with it with coronavirus. He says, no, I don't mean coronavirus. I mean, what the other one, the other one, the N1H1. So that's not what it's called. The, what he's referring to is H1N1, which is also known as the swine flu. And everybody knows that. People should know that. People running for president should know that. But especially Joe Biden should know that because he was vice president during the H1N1 outbreak. That was swine 09. It happened during his and Barack Obama's first year in office. Couldn't remember that. Then he couldn't even remember the name or, or an anagram of the name of the other public health crisis when he was vice president, Ebola. He called it what happened in Africa. He called it the, the outbreak in Africa. Something to that effect. He didn't call it by its actual name. Ebola virus, named after the Ebola River, did not instill a lot of confidence. And then, because this was all so taxing on Joe, don't forget, Joe Biden wanted to sit in an armchair during this debate. That was the original discussion with CNN was the Biden campaign was pushing for Sanders and Biden to sit in chairs during the debate because the Biden campaign didn't think Joe could stand up the whole time. Luckily, Joe did manage to stand up the whole time. But when he, when he kept flubbing all of his answers, he eventually said to Bernie Sanders that he didn't want to talk about politics during the presidential debate. Look, I, this is a national crisis. I don't want to get this into a back and forth in terms of our politics here. I don't want to look. I'm he, I'm just here to eat ice cream and watch some reruns of uh, Magnum PI. All right. I'm not here to get into a back and forth about politics. If you want to get into a back and forth about politics, you got to go to a presidential debate. Where are we? Wait, what? Oh, sorry. Go to Joe 303330. You are at a presidential debate to go back and forth about politics. Actually, this is a broader point, even on the whole coronavirus epidemic. A lot of people right now are saying, we shouldn't have any political disagreements on coronavirus. We all need to just be totally united. And usually the people who are saying this are saying we need to be totally united behind left-wing policies. (laughs) They never want to be totally united behind the president, but they want to be totally united behind left-wing policies. Now, it's true that we should probably dial down the partisan rancor because we are facing danger right now. But we shouldn't get rid of politics. Politics is a good thing in a self-governing republic. You need politics. Politics is how we all decide how to live together when we all have different perspectives and different points of view. When you, get, you know what gets rid of politics? Totalitarian regimes. They get rid of politics a lot. They, they do not allow you to engage in politics because they tell you exactly what to do. Now, maybe some people, maybe some of our friends on the left wouldn't mind that so much, but I certainly would mind it. And this idea that we, listen, we need to get rid of the politics and just do what I say. Uh, that's, that's not how things work here in America. Sorry, Buster. Sorry, leftists generally. And sorry, Joe Biden specifically. 
Now, Biden did make one good point during the debate, and really only one. He pointed out that socialists are exploiting the coronavirus. And he didn't do it quite that explicitly, but he may as well have. He responded to those socialists calling for Medicare for all, saying the coronavirus proves we need to get completely nix our healthcare system, which is by far the highest quality healthcare system in the world. And we need to move to a Medicare for all socialist healthcare plan. Joe Biden said, wait a second, you know what country has Medicare for all? Italy. And Italy is dealing with this crisis worse than anybody. All due respect to Medicare for all, you have a single payer system in Italy. It doesn't work there. It has nothing to do with Medicare for all. That would not solve the problem at all. Absolutely right. A really good point. And Bernie Sanders, for his part, by the way, could not answer the question. Listen to him babble and babble and babble. If you were president right now, what would you do to make sure every sick American is able to get treatment so the U.S. does not suffer the same fate as Italy, uh, where doctors have to decide right now who gets life-saving treatment and who does not. Jake, let's be honest and understand that this coronavirus uh, pandemic exposes the incredible weakness and dysfunctionality of our current healthcare system. Now, we're spending twice as much per person on healthcare as the people of any other country. How in God's name does it happen that we end up with 87 million people who are uninsured or underinsured, and there are people who are watching this program tonight who say, I'm not feeling well. Should I go to the doctor, but I can't afford to go to the doctor? Now, did you notice in that whole rambling answer, it goes on for like another minute or two. You notice what he didn't answer? Jake Tapper's question. He can't address the problem of Italy. All these leftists who say, we need a socialist healthcare system. Look at how terrible the American healthcare system is. We've got 61 people that have died from this virus, unlike Italy with a socialist healthcare system that has over a thousand. Wait a second. Maybe they haven't paid attention to that. Bernie Sanders doesn't have an answer and nobody else does either. You know, we try to take your questions if you are on the Daily Wire app or website. So please send them in before the end of the show, especially this week when so many shows are off and information is hard to come by. A question now from KP. Is Bernie signaling he's going to drop out of the race? He didn't act like he really wanted to harm Biden. Maybe. He's not signaling that he wanted to drop out of the race, I don't think. He's signaling that he's not running to get the nomination. He's not going to drop out. He is trying to force Joe Biden into a leftist box. That's the ideological reason that he's staying in the race. He knows that he's got some popularity in the Democratic Party, and so he wants to force Joe Biden to adopt some of his policies. I'm not saying he didn't want to harm Joe Biden last night. I think that's bringing it too far. I think he wanted to pressure Joe Biden. Like if this were a totally hands-off, I'm about to drop out and endorse you, Joe, then he wouldn't have made these points. He called, at one point he called Joe Biden a liar, actually. Um, we'll get into that in just one second. So I don't think he, he went easy on Joe, but I think he wasn't hard charging in thinking that he's going to get the nomination. He wants to make Joe Biden more left-wing, and he's going to stick in the race because Joe Biden doesn't seem to have all his marbles. He doesn't have a lot of physical stamina, and there's a real chance that he will just physically not be able to be the general election nominee, in which case, if Bernie Sanders has more and more delegates, he'll be able to force the Dems to give him the nomination. So he doesn't have a huge chance to win, but he is pushing Joe. And one of the reasons I say he didn't go easy on him, at one point, he called Joe Biden a liar. 
My Lord, Bernie, you're running ads saying I'm opposed to Social Security that PolitiFact says is a flat lie and that the Washington Post said is a flat lie. Oh, well, let me ask you a question, Joe. Yeah. You're right here with me. Yeah. Have you been on the floor of the Senate? You were in the Senate for a few years. Yeah. Time and time again, talking about the necessity with pride about cutting Social Security, cutting Medicare, cutting veterans programs. No. You never said that. No. All right. America, go to the website right now. Go to the YouTube right now. Dishonest. Totally dishonest. And, and uh, Joe Biden knows it. I mean, Joe Biden's held every side of every single position. So Bernie landed that blow. Bernie landed another blow on him, which is Bernie has been saying he doesn't have any super PACs supporting him. So Joe Biden thought that he could get him on this. He said, you have nine super PACs supporting you, Bernie. And so you're a liar. And then Bernie comes right back at him. He goes, I don't have nine super PACs. Joe says, you want me to name them? Bernie says, yes. And Joe can't do it. You get rid of the nine super PACs you have? I don't have nine super I don't have they any have super nine. You want me to list them? No. Yeah, you go ahead and list okay. them. Come on. Give me a break. Come no, on. I will, won't give you a break on this one. Oh, it's so embarrassing. He, Bernie totally called his bluff. And then Joe Biden just had nothing. So, yeah, you want me to name them? Yes, I would like you to name them. Ah. Uh, Anyway, it's just, oh, you don't want to be in that position. Don't offer to do that if you can't actually accomplish it. A question right now from MK. Michael, should we keep calm and pray to the thing? We should. I hold this truth to be self-evident. We should certainly pray to the thing, as Joe Biden says. The way that you can tell Democrats are disingenuous here, the way you can tell that the libs are not being serious here, This is my favorite takeaway from the whole debate. In order to pump up the Wuhan virus panic, they are ignoring their previous panic of global warming. Remember, global warming was going to kill us in 12 years, 10 years, 18 months, some said. Oh, they sure ain't acting like that now. Remember, we, remember it was like pretty much a felony to use a plastic straw in California. <laughs> you could get fined. It was a big deal. You had to use those stupid pla- paper straws that would just melt in your mouth while you were drinking through them. Now, oh boy, everything's plastic. They're going out to the stores. First of all, they're buying every roll of toilet paper that has ever been produced in the last 10 years. That can't be very good for the environment. It's not great for the trees. What are gonna, what's going to happen to the trees? Then, they're buying plastic gloves. They're buying Purell. If you go to the stores right now, all the organic, good for the earth kind of stuff, it's all still there. You can buy it. It's on every shelf. You know what's gone? All the artificial plastic, chemical. You know why? Because that stuff works. <laughs> and there are no environmentalists during a pandemic. That is simply the case. And it shows you, look, if, if the Wuhan virus, at the worst case predictions, are it infects a small percentage of the population in a serious way, and it kills a small percent of them. Let's say, let's say that overall, 60 to 70 million people get infected at some point with this virus. And let's say even doomsday scenario, 2% of those people die. That'd be very sad. That'd be very scary. But according to global warming, within 18 months to 12 years, we're all going to die. So surely if you've got those two crises, you're not going to buy the toilet paper and the latex gloves and the Purell. You are actually going to disavow all of that because you've got to save the earth, right? Except that's not what they're doing because nobody really believes this global warming stuff. That panic, in many ways like this panic, is simply being used 
to push through all the leftist policies that the left really, really wants and that they wanted for a hundred years. And you can see this pretty clearly. Uh, right now in, in New York City, the New York City schools are, that's the largest school system in the country, are shutting down. Okay, fine. I don't have, I, I don't think that's necessarily a great idea, but fine, that's their choice. However, uh, the schools are going to remain open for several hours per day to give meals to the students who rely on those meals. Okay, I guess that's a good thing, right? Because they make the point for many of these students, the only meals that they can rely on are given to them by the government at school. This raises another question. Why are there so many children whose parents aren't feeding them? We're a very rich country. Even people who are at the very bottom of the economic totem pole here have enough money to feed their children peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But what the, the left doesn't want that. The left doesn't want to have strong families and strong local communities. The left wants a government solution to everything so that they have control because the government that's big enough to give you everything you want is big enough to take away everything that you have. So it's exposing some issues here. You know, one takeaway, I think, from this, uh, from this coronavirus might be, as we look at the school system in New York and elsewhere, what's wrong with these horrible parents who aren't feeding their kids? If you can't feed your kid, if you cannot give your kid the basic amount of food, your kid should be taken from you. How's that for a government program? Because these people, it's not like these people are walking around in rags with nothing to their name. Okay. Very often you see at the, in terms of bad parents here, they've got cell phones. They've got luxury items. One or two. I'm not saying they're living like the Rockefellers, but they've got enough to feed their children. And if they don't feed their children, then the solution to that is not for you and I through the government to feed their children. Maybe, maybe look, it'd be, we should take care of all the children in the world. We should give to charity. We should be very generous, but we should also take care of the policy problem, which is that we are encouraging parents to abandon the basic responsibilities of parenthood. Before we go, two things really struck out at me here. One from the left, one from the right. During the Democratic debate, the American atheists ran a commercial, and the commercial was starring Ronald Reagan's son, who is famously very left-wing and very atheist. So Ron Reagan Jr. aired a commercial about how he doesn't fear hell, how there is no God, and nothing really matters. I'm Ron Reagan, an unabashed atheist, and I'm alarmed by the intrusions of religion into our secular government. That's why I'm asking you to support the Freedom From Religion Foundation, the nation's largest and most effective association of atheists and agnostics, working to keep state and church separate, just like our founding fathers intended. Please support the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Ron Reagan, lifelong atheist, not afraid of burning in hell. So first of all, the things he's saying about the founding just are simply not true. And the things he's saying about our government are simply not true. But beyond that, we'll save that for another day. This is exactly what people want to hear during a global pandemic, right? They, they just want to hear there is no God, there is no hope, there's no meaning to anything, and we're all going to turn to worm food. That's, that's exactly what we want to hear. Read the room, libs. Are you insane? <laughs> this is not helping. It's my biggest takeaway from the left. I look at the left during all this. I say, like, you're not helping. You are freaking out. You're running around like a bunch of hysterical people 
you're saying that there's no hope. You're saying everything's terrible. The civilization's going to collapse and it doesn't even matter if it does because we are nothing but dirt and worm food. Oh, give it a rest. Contrast that with the conservative response. During that wonderful White House press briefing, Ben Carson was one of the people there. He's one of the most famous and accomplished physicians in the entire country. And now he's the secretary of, uh, of housing and urban development. And he was asked his take on the situation. And he didn't focus on the medical response, which is good. You know, there's a good medical response right now. He didn't focus on the economic response. Also very good economic response. The Fed is cutting rates. There's quantitative easing. The markets are rallying. He, I mean, the markets are going to go up and down and up and down over the next couple of weeks, but at least they've responded well to the announcements from, from the White House. He focused on the spiritual component. He said, you know, President Trump declared Sunday to be a national day of prayer in, in this crisis. And gosh, you know, who would have thought of that during a time of great trial and uncertainty and crisis? Maybe we should pray to God. I mean, I know who did know that, our founding fathers and before them, the people who settled this country, people on the Mayflower and pretty much every American leader up until like 50 or 60 years ago, they all understood that. But President Trump is bringing that back, making it cool again. And Ben Carson thinks it's a wonderful idea. You know, we as a nation can use this as an opportunity to pull together for good. You know, President Trump is going to be uh, recommending a national day of prayer. And, you know, we've gotten away from prayer and faith a lot in this country. There's nothing wrong with godly principles, no matter what your faith is. Loving your neighbor, caring about the people around you, developing your God-given talents to the utmost so that you become valuable to the people around you, having values and principles that govern your life. Those are things that made America zoom to the top of the world in record time. And those are the things that will keep us there too. Yeah, man, that's right. You got it. I love even not just what Ben Carson said, which I agree with, but the way he said it. Ben Carson always has this calm about him. Even if he's angry, even if he's critical, even it's, there's this level calm. And I think of all the great saints of history. And and I, I mean, literal saints as well. People who are being fed to lions, you know, early Christians, they were calm. People being flayed alive, they were calm. They might not have been happy about it, but they were calm. The great leaders, the great statesmen of history have remained calm. Even when they're up against the wall, even when they're angry, even when they're fighting, there is a level of serenity to them. All right. They're not freaking out. They're not whining. They're not hysterical. They're not neurotic. That isn't helpful. And so when you, you're going to see a lot of people on TV and in the news and running for office in the next, in the next few weeks, and some of them are going to be mature and responsible and calm, and they're going to offer their solutions. And some of them are going to be shrieking and trying to convince you that the world is going to end if you don't give them every single political advantage that they want. If you don't give the left every single thing they've asked for for a hundred years. Their demeanor tells you a lot about them. Do not listen to the neurotics and the hysterics. They will only make things worse. Keep calm, carry on. This too shall pass. And we'll be here with the show until Mayor Garcetti drags me out of my studio. All right, that's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow.
If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Listen.